Hey guys, welcome, welcome. In this episode, I first off, I talk about the uh, radical left and jo- Scott Adams' idea of the um, watching two movies on one screen and how the idea about that is, I think it's extremely accurate, but I think we've moved away from two movies on one screen. We moved into a new paradigm. So I talk about that, 1619 Project, how the idea behind that is really to destabilize our idea of history. Um, And then the second part of the show, I discuss the Ken Karen controversy, the guys that came out and defended their property, and a little bit more. So take a listen. Okay, everyone, let's jump right into it. The news has obviously been insane the last several weeks and month or so. Um, Obviously, we have the George Floyd – I wouldn't even say they're George Floyd protests. Uh, They're just really – they're communist revolutionary riots uh, thinly veiled under the cloak of racial equality and racial justice. That's exactly what it is, and uh, if you can't see that, then I'm sorry. There's a very limited amount of things I can do to help you, and I would like to go back to an idea that Scott Adams talked about a while back ago, how he made a – he discussed how in the United States what we're seeing really is uh, two movies on one screen. So we live in the same country. Right, so we're we're you know we're as Americans we're in the same country of the United States, and we are somewhat in proximity to each other, right? So that's like the same movie theater, like you know, we're all in the same kind of area, we're all under the same government, all of that, but we are living in two realities, and that is a situation that I believe is is one of the most accurate things he has said over the last several years, and um, it. It is what I believe is driving some of the differences between the radical left and the rest of the United States. So right now what we are seeing is a breakdown of the reality, a breakdown of a common understanding of Americans. Now you can see this as what people would typically call as uh, we are polarized, right? as in many people are going to two separate poles. You can think of a north or south uh, magnetized pole, something like that. So in this case, it is you've got people that are attracted to the to the left and people that are attracted to the right. Now the difference is is that the pull the pole on the left has gone so far, um, has moved so far left that it is actually no longer. I would argue it's no longer on the same pole. That it's we're no longer polarized along Democrat Republican lines or right wing left wing lines. We are in a situation where um, the we have a poll of right and left, which is Republican Democrat or conservative liberal. But then we have this other thing that is not attached to the rest of us, and that is Black Lives Matter. That is. Um, uh, Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and when I say Black Lives Matter, I'm not talking about someone who just thinks that Black Lives Matter. I'm talking about the organization Black Lives Matter. I'm talking about the people that are going out today and protesting things about you know racial injustice today, 
right? Because right now, as I've already said, these, these riots, these protests have little to do with racial equality, if anything, at this point. So what we are seeing is a total breakdown of what people view as what is America. So as I've said, this is the breakdown of the polls. There's, it's, not, it's not that we're in the same situation anymore. We're not in the same movie theater. There is a group of people that are now claiming, if we could use Scott Adams' analogy again, that we are all in one movie theater but we're watching two different movies on the same screen, I would argue that what's happening now is that we were all in a movie theater watching a movie, uh, different movies on the same screen. Now what we're watching is a group of people in the theater are saying, this is not a theater. This is no longer a movie theater. Right? I don't know, and they're, they are redefining what a movie theater is, and they're telling everybody inside, we are going to burn down this whole movie theater with everybody in it unless everybody agrees on this new movie that we're going to put on. That is what I see. And in the meantime, what they're doing is they're recruiting as many people from the Democratic left side of the spectrum as possible and trying to use things like – in the past, they used arguments based around socialism, based around empathy, things like that to say, oh, don't you feel sorry for the poor? Don't you feel sorry for the immigrant? Don't you feel sorry for these people? Well, now it's, well, don't you feel sorry for anybody who's not white? And you know it just keeps – it's been getting more and more radical to the point where somebody put out a tweet today. I don't remember who it was. Somebody pretty uh, you know, not – fairly well-known put out a tweet and then deleted it. It was a Washington Post editor who um, – or writer who put out a tweet saying that white women are lucky that we're only calling them Karens and we're not trying to get revenge. And I keep pointing out like these people here – these people are, as I've said earlier, they are looking for revenge, and they will call out white women. Like right now, everybody's going for white men, but don't get me wrong. The, uh, the white women, the Karens that everyone's talking about, they will be on the chopping block. They actually already are. Right? We saw a couple of prominent uh, white actresses that um, were taken out of uh, cartoon shows because they were voicing people in the cartoons that they weren't really. Uh, there was a cartoon called Big Mouth where the actress was a Jewish lady. She was voicing a half-black, half-Jewish girl, and um, you know she decided to step down. There was another somebody who – I can't remember if somebody else did the same thing uh, this weekend. And so you know we are seeing um, just we're really seeing a strong purge and attack on anybody who cannot be put into a uh, marginalized minority group. Now uh, I kind of digress there for a minute, but I want to get back to the uh, to the analogy of two of a uh, watching two different movies on the same screen, where now the radical left is no longer we're no longer abiding by the same rules. And this is what I wanted to get to was that uh, under Scott Adams' previous analogy, we were kind of under the same rules, right? Like we all agreed, hey, we're in the theater. We're going to watch the movie. We're coming away with two t entirely different interpretations. We are no longer abiding by the same rules. We're not just sitting together in a theater and 
all agreeing to watch the movie and coming away with different interpretations. No. What is happening now is the radical left faction of the United States, the radical lefties, Antifa BLM, they're saying, look, dude, we're not watching the movie. We're, we're going to burn down the movie theater. And in fact, everything that you thought about the movie is, is a lie. And now, actually, if you bring up anything about the movie that we disagree with, we're going to come down there where you are sitting in the theater, and we're going to beat the shit out of you. That is what Antifa, that is what Black Lives Matter, that is what they're doing. That is how they are in this movie theater analogy. There are a few people at the top that are booing, heckling throughout the movie, and they've decided, hey, this movie sucks. We're tired of it. We're just going to start beating the crap out of all the other people that are here. That is what I am seeing. And so that's what I'm getting at is we, we're no longer on the same reality plane. And you can see that with the 1619 movement. I haven't looked deeply into this movement because I honestly know it's – I just know it's patently absurd. But these people are trying to date the founding of America back to the year 1619. They're trying to make it out to be uh, – and the goal – I believe the goal of doing this is to try to extend the time that slavery was a, and was a part of the American institution. See, part of the problem with the radical left narrative about the United States is that while yes slavery existed in the United States for um, you know until the 1860s officially right because uh, we've had you know Jim Crow laws after that uh, but essentially that means oh slavery only officially existed in the United States for a short time. And when I say a short time, obviously I'm talking about from, what, 1776 to the 1860s. So slavery in the United States was officially less than 100 years as a country of the United States. Now, the radical left doesn't like that. They don't want that. It doesn't go with the narrative. So they must change the history. They must change the entirety of our reality. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to shake people's fundamental assumptions about reality so that that way you're easier to take down. See, if you have a strong understanding of your culture, your history, your heritage, or just you have a strong belief structure that's rooted in something, it's hard to get you to bend the knee. It's hard to get you to kneel down. And that's what the radical left wants you to do. They want you to kneel down. They want you to be scared. They want you to be afraid of what they are going to do to you. That's what this is all about. It's about fear, and it's about making you kneel and bend to their will. And they're very successful with this right now. This is one reason why we are moving into very dangerous territory because we can't debate this anymore. So previously, we could have a debate about American history, right? We could say, well, yeah, there was slavery from, say, 1776 to 1860s in the, in the official United States, while, of course, slavery on the, uh, on the North American continent existed for a few hundred years before that, and you can debate the merits of that. Now, within that structure, you can talk about the Constitution, right? People talk about the three-fifths clause of the Constitution, but they don't like to talk about the fact that in the Constitution, slavery was officially supposed to end, um, that it was supposed to officially – oh, yeah, the slave trade. I do believe – I'd have to look this up, but I believe the Constitution – 
this is from my history classes back in the day, that um, the international slave trade was not able to continue, I think, after – I don't think it was 1812. Was it 1812 maybe? 1814? There was a time um, in the early 1800s that in the Constitution it said that the United States <clears throat> could no longer import slaves. And it was meant to stop the slave trade because the uh, a lot of the founders of the Constitution were in fact against slavery. And now, don't get me wrong, some of the founders, I'm sure, were for slavery. But um, there were also many that were against it. And that is why the Constitution had some of the things written in it. That is why if you go back and read the Federalist Papers and the and how we got rid of the Articles of Confederation, there's lots of debate and tension between states that didn't have slaves and states that had slaves. Uh, people were very concerned that the states that did not have slaves were going to end up outvoting the states that had slaves. That's why we have the three-fifths uh, rule in the Constitution, right? The slaves were supposed to count three-fifths as a person because the southern states that had the slaves did not want to be outvoted and potentially not only lose their representation in Congress for other matters but also potentially have slavery um, taken away from them in illegal means like that, like through the Congress, through the House and the Senate. Right, And so that alone should tell you a lot about the history of the United States. This is no just straight racist country. Now, what the, you know, those are just some basic things that a lot of people probably don't know, and you'd have to look them up. And like I said, if you want to go back and read the Federalist and Anti-Federalist Papers and read about the Founding Fathers and what was their ideas and things like that, you know, a lot of this I'm just spitting straight from the dome. And you can go and verify this. I might be off by a couple things here or there, but for the most part, directionally, I am correct on this history that the – Founding fathers were a diverse group of guys. Many of them wanted to get rid of slavery, and I'm sure there were also well, and there were also many that did not want to get rid of slavery. But the bottom line is they did compromise on ending the slave trade in the early 1800s, about 30 years or so after, 20 or 30 years after the Constitution was ratified. And that's a big fucking deal for a bunch of people that were born into a world with slave trade, with a slave trade, a large international slave trade. Now, once again, how does this connect back to what the radical left's plan is? Well, this is the point. The point is because if you just talked about what I discussed, right, if you just discussed what I just discussed, then it makes the situation messy. It makes it nuanced. You have to come to grips with the fact that, yes, there was slavery. Yeah, we know that's bad. Of course we know that's bad now. Now, back in the day, it was more – even though it was bad, it was – their worldview was different than ours today. But what it does is it makes the situation messy because you can't say, well, the United States is a white supremacist, anti-whatever, anti, you know, a horrible nation because when you go back and you go, well, actually, see, the problem with this is that you know, the founders actually debated this situation. Many of the founders didn't want to have slavery. You know, that's why there were all these, these things going on. And so if you actually look back at what we have, what is American history? history and has been official American history and you can go back and like I said look at documents and things like that you can see 
you can see that it was not this cut and dry, oh, America's just an evil racist nation. No, the whole world was in a different state of mind at that time. And if you go back and look at American history and the founding documents and the founding fathers, you'll see that actually it wasn't this bad racist, you know, anti-woman nation. And that there were actually good reasons for some of the provisions that they had in there and that there are good reasons for why some things and laws and customs and cultures, the things that we had in American history were the way they were. And it wasn't just American history either. But see, like I said, that makes it difficult for people to argue about how evil the United States is, right? It makes it hard to say, well, the U.S. is just an evil empire. It's just an evil empire. And it also – here's the other thing. There's, there's a big – it's a big trap. That's the whole point. It also encompasses the Native Americans. So basically what happens is if you can say, ah, the United States was actually founded in 1619, then you can say all the Native Americans who died before 1776 are also the responsibility of the United States when that is in fact not the case, right? I mean, if you go back from the uh, from the early colonial days of the of the uh, 1600s, and and you go, oh well, that was the founding of America, right? That was the founding of the United States. Well, no, obviously it wasn't. Right, the United States had people come over from England, from uh, from the Netherlands, from Spain, from all over the place. I mean, there was it was ridiculous. There was no coherent set. There was no coherent nation. That's why we have the founding in 1776. But if you go back and say, ah, well, actually, it's 1619, then you can say everything bad that happened as a result of that falls at the feet of the nation of the United States. That is what they are trying to do. That is what they are trying to accomplish by pushing back the timeline because they can say, look, in the United States, slavery existed since the 1600s. In the United States, they killed all the Native Americans from 1619 onward. They can say all that if they can push the founding back, right? And then they can say, oh, well, you know, it wasn't until 1776 they made the Constitution, which was still racist. It was still sexist, right? The idea is to fundamentally destabilize our ability to defend ourselves as a nation so that that way it's justified in ending the way the system is. That's why they're doing this. So... And now keep in mind, I haven't actually done a lot of research into the 1619 Project, but these are just for me, as somebody who is watching the situ- this situation unfold, who has um, you know, been, had a very big interest in history throughout my life, these are just things that I can see. Right, You can see that the radical left's agenda currently is to peg the United States and everybody in it as severely racist and anti-immigrant, anti-everything. And so the worse that you can make the country look, the more you are justified in overthrowing the current system. Now, I want to talk about what we see after that. What do you see after the overthrow of the system? Well, you don't see a utopia. I can tell you that. You're not going to see racial equality. I can tell you that. 
you're not going to see anything that the radical left promises. All you've got to do is look at what happens after major revolutions. Revolutions are not about equality. They're about creating a new structure of power or not even a new structure of power. It's more or less about putting new people in power. That's really what revolutions are about because fundamentally, fundamentally, we have such a deep um, – we have an ingrained sense of hierarchy and structure in the West, in the United States, that it's not going to be easily shrugged off. Right? People have been born in the United States with Western ideas of government and culture like democracy, republicanism. Um, you know, you vote, you have representation, you have protests, you have grievances, you have kings, you have queens, you have dictators. These are all things that we have grown up with that are not just going to be vanquished from our psychology because we overthrew a system of government. That's just not how it's going to go. I mean, all you got to do is look at, uh, look at the, the Russian Revolution. They got rid of the king, and a hundred years later, they have a dictator. Look at the revolution in China. It was the, I think it was the Xinhai Revolution in the early 1900s. They overthrew the king. A hundred years later, they have a dictator. Or they overthrew the emperor, I'm sorry. Um, look at the, uh, you know, I mean, just look at the situations like that. I mean, now there was the French Revolution where they overthrew the monarchy, and well, I mean, you know, I don't know whatever the hell you want to call the French now, but basically you can overthrow the structures, you can make some changes to the structures, but by and large when you have these revolutions, one, there is a huge, huge amount of pain and suffering that happens, and then two, you don't have – like look at France now. Right? It's like France is, is on the is also having significant civil unrest. So it's like what's what's the point of this? Are you saying that like every hundred years or so, every hundred and fifty years, we just have to shed the blood of the nation and just have genocide in the streets? Is that what the point of all this is? Now I know some people might think I am uh, overdoing it, I'm exaggerating. Well, I want to move on to an interesting point about how the things are escalating here. You know, people don't know what they're getting into. So I'm a big fan of Tim Pool. And he has been – it's so interesting. He pointed out like a year ago on – you know, a year ago, he pointed out that uh, he was worried about the the, um, polarization in the United States. He was worried about a potential civil conflict erupting from people being kicked off of platforms where you'd have a basically a liberal economy and a republican economy that you would have – basically the nation would become so split that it would be very – you could see where there would be a rift for a potential civil conflict. And I got to be honest, he was pretty good with that uh, with that prediction. And it's not so much a prediction as it's just feeling the pulse, kind of seeing where things are going. Um, you know, Tim Pool is not an economics dude. He's not a tech dude. He just kind of he's pretty good with the culture war. He's good with the culture war, and the culture war is where we're seeing a lot of this crazy shit play out. And um, what we are seeing 
is an escalation. He's pointing out that we're seeing an escalation. And I can see that too. I can see that as well. In fact, when these riots broke out in the end of May, um, you know, there were lots of, of video there was lots of video footage of people that were driving that got caught up in the riots truckers people that were driving with their families people that you know were at the wrong place wrong time and people were be, just like trying to attack them in their cars and i thought oh wow this is so interesting i mean this is horrifying but i remember thinking to myself like this is what people don't understand like these mobs they don't care who you are they don't care um, about your color. I mean, unless you're white, then they really hate you. Unless you're in the mob, I don't know. But anyway, they're like, I, they don't care about your skin color. They don't care about what you put on Facebook, about the black square that you put on Instagram. When they come roving through your neighborhood, lighting your fucking houses on fire, then you'll see. Then you'll get to see the face of the monster that you have created, that you've been standing behind and pushing. Now, I posted on Facebook when these riots were breaking out and people were talking about defund the police, which they still are, and people were really getting up, uh, behind the idea of pulling the police back, like no police, back off the police, and the police were backing down. But while the police were backing down in a lot of places, cities were going up in flames, lots of vandalism, rioting, innocent people getting killed, getting beat up, getting put in the hospital. And I said on Facebook, hey, um, you know, protect yourself and your family because you're, you know, like you're going to be the only one that can do it. And people were like, oh, it's not going to come to the suburbs. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And um, I'm just like, look, here's the thing is I feel at that time, I felt at that time that it's very possible this thing could move into the suburbs. This is 2020, man. People mobilize over the internet quick. They move fast. Why couldn't people just organize in a suburb and then start burning shit down in the suburbs? Why? What's stopping them? And also there were tweets coming up telling people to get into the suburbs. There has been a large amount of attention put on get uh, a not there has been a large amount of attention put on attacking white people and getting into the suburbs that I've never seen before. You know, over the last 10 years we see this stuff spike up now and then, but I've never seen so much attention being put on for people to go into the suburbs or go attack people that are white. And this last incident, I could see a lot of that. There was a lot of people that were like, look, go after the whiteies, go after the suburbs. And there's, there was, there's controversy about some tweets that came out about going into the suburbs, about who really put those out and everything. But, I mean, those ideas are out there, right? So I said, be careful, guys. Everyone jumped on me on Facebook and was like, oh, blah, 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 talking shit, whatever, saying that I was just – you know, over exaggerating or doing whatever, the real threats, white nationalists and things like that. Well, over the last week, we've seen two or three instances of Black Lives Matter protesters going into neighborhoods. So far, it's been wealthier neighborhoods. It's been they went into Beverly Hills. They went into a neighborhood in St. Louis. And there is now a famous video and 
um, photo of a guy they're calling Ken and Karen. Uh, it's a husband and wife couple that were defending their property in St. Louis where these protesters walked into their uh, – walked into a gated community. They went through the gate. It was a private property. There was no public sidewalk. There was no public street. They went in there and there was like a 100 or so protesters and the husband and wife came out on their lawn with a pistol and a AR-15. And people are, you know, kind of losing their mind over it and going, oh, I can't believe they did that. And um, and there was actually another report of uh, Tim Pool said that the protests in New Jersey, um, they had to uh, close the bridges so that way they didn't get into the suburbs. And that was recently. And um, I'm... And the protests haven't stopped. That's the other thing. It's funny because I have been saying this for the last week or so, like they're not stopping. This is a revolution attempt. Now, it may, it may never transpire uh, fully, but this is – do not be mistaken. Uh, there is an attempt at revolution here, and I don't know who's in control. Um, I don't uh, – of course, this is not a bottom-up revolution. These rarely are. These are generally like, hey, somebody in the background, somebody in the background that has power, that has money, is pushing something in a particular way. And it doesn't have to be one person. It could be multiple people, multiple interests, people that are trying to get rid of people in the current establishment – um, and, you know, I have some theories behind that, but that's where we are. And if you think that you're safe out in the suburbs, don't get me wrong. I don't want to over-exaggerate here. Uh, most suburbs are going to be fine, right? Like, I mean, this country is huge. Like, we have a huge country. Most suburbs are going to be fine. You're probably not going to have to worry about it. But it's like if you're in a hotspot area, Right, If you're in a St. Louis or if you're in a Chicago or if you're in a Minneapolis, then yeah, there's probably some suburbs out there that are going to be a little bit at risk. There's probably a couple spots that uh, could kind of go up and have some issues. Um, but these people are launching a long, sustained guerrilla warfare type of operation. They are trying to take down the current um, – people that are running the United States, and that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. Don't be mistaken. Anyway, that's all I got for today. You can follow me at tstouch.com, uh, Taylor Radio, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, tstouch1. Not so active on all those platforms right now, but uh, go ahead and give me a follow. Uh, you can buy some, I got some funny merch up. You can find that at tstouch.com and uh, teespring. Uh, store T-Stutch. Thank you for listening. Stay safe.